hi, this is Heidi McDonald, or more to come, PW Comics World's uh, comics podcast. And today I'm here with Jillian Tamaki, the artist of this one summer uh, brand new book from First Second um, about two girls discovering the secrets of life on a vacation <laughs> island. Uh, classic theme, um, an amazing book. The art is incredible, Jillian. Thank uh, you. How long did you work on it? Um... It was about three years from sort of pitch to finish, but the art itself, the final art, was about a, a year of solid work. And, wow. You know, saying no to a lot of stuff, but trying to survive at the same time. Right, right. <laughs> so. Did you uh, feel it was time well spent? I know that sounds like a, a dumb yeah, question, but... It, I mean, it 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 can be hard to say it, you spent it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and I feel that uh, I'm happy with it, and I guess that's like all you can kind of judge yeah. at the end. So, yeah. yeah, I always view those things as, as investments, but it's, it's kind of unclear as to what you're investing in. But it's um, something that you're not sure what it adds to your life, but it just kind of makes you less crazy. Well, I mean, we've t- t- been talking a little bit about the whole graphic novel economy, and right. uh, this is your second graphic novel. Yeah. Skim yeah. was the first, right? Yeah. But you also do a web comics. Uh, so yeah, I have, like, sort of lower stakes mm-hmm. comics that I do, too, that are, like, you know, one-shots and newspaper things and not graphic novels. And you also teach at SVA. Yes, I've taught, I taught at Parsons starting in 2007, and I was there for two or three years, and I've been at SVA ever since. Mm-hmm. And what what is the subject that you teach? Um, I, when I started at SVA, I, start, I taught uh, second-year drawing for cartoonists, and then I took I switched to the illustration department, so second-year drawing for illustrators, and now I teach the senior portfolio, and I've done that for about three to four years. Well, you're in a great position to talk <laughs> about right. what you're seeing, though. I mean, if you've been, you've been teaching for seven years, mm-hmm. and I feel like I always go to SVA's, like, Fresh Meat, and I go to their mm-hmm. Comics Portfolio Day, uh, but I just feel like I've seen this real change in what yes. I'm seeing. Well, there's a lot more crossover now between the comics department and the illustrators department because so many illustrators want to do comics, and a lot of them want to also sort of mix the two, and they sort of don't want to do just comics. And so I feel like, you know, obviously I teach in the illustration department, but I would say you know, at least a quarter of them seem somewhat interested in comics or some sort of blending of text and, you know, um, image, uh, text and image or writing their own things, which I consider comics Mm. offshoots anyway. So I think that there is sort of a real coming together of like those two things. And also that they, they're often, you know, girls, Mm. you know, most of the girls that I, or most of the people that are interested in comics, they're, they're young women that want to like sort of tell their own story, which is really what we need. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's a real change. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm really fascinated by it because, um, I mean, you've been in illustration for a, a good while, yeah. let's put it that way. And I'm right. probably, I think when you started, there was still was like a pretty healthy industry or had it just, you know, it was huge in the nineties and then the aughts, it kind of slowed down. Yeah, well, as, as I understand it in when, um, 9-11 happened, there was a huge drop-off, and I was still in school at that point, mm-hmm. and then I graduated in 2003, and it seemed like some, you know, it was on the rebound, and then the, uh, when the market crashed in 2008, it's like, that was really, like, bleh, like, yeah. a little, like, freaky, and that was, like, the first um, time in my career where I'd seen a dip in that way, so... Um, a bit of a roller coaster ride, and it seems to mean knock on wood, like, seems to be, I've seemed to have weathered it, but there, it's been a process of adaptation, and not just sort of of your, what you do, but sort of like your mental approach to mm-hmm. it, and like sort of what your expectations are, and like what defines success, like that's sort of changed as well. Right. So what do you think that, that, you know, kids who are going to school for this now, and what are their expectations? I'm, I'm, <laughs> Heidi, that's such a good question. <laughs> so you're, did I, did no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm baffled by it, so. I think that they, you know, people go for, to school for so many different mm-hmm. reasons. Some of them are just purely there because their parents said they needed to get a degree. So they're there because it seemed like the closest thing to, what makes them happy or whatever, but, but the one, well, I mean, just for our purposes, I'll sort of talk about the kids that are super serious and want to seriously get a degree and aren't sort of, 
there to waste their time and they're, um, uh, you know, the non, they're not the typical, as we stereotypical entitled millennial as like people (laughs) like to sort of point out endlessly. The kids that are great, they work hard and everything like that. But so getting to what they kind of, I think they want is that they, they're kind of not interested in, um, or less interested in sort of one thing. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that, I mean, we sort of, when I started that, people sort of bemoan the fact that you have to have so many things going on that you kind of have to cobble together this career of this and that, a little bit of this industry and a little bit of that. And, and, but I think that the kids now that kind of, in a weird way, is exciting to them that mm-hmm. the idea that you can do these more commercial things and write your own stories seems like a pretty good deal to them, you know? Um, and I think that, um, the problem with some of the students is that they can already be so cynical and jaded and there have been, and their teachers are really cynical and jaded a lot of the time. So I try to like temper my own like cynicism about life and all that stuff and just be like, they need some support and like, to be a good role model to show you that you're an artist and you're not miserable and like it's possible right. is like hopefully powerful enough. <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I mean I, I feel like at the same time though, like the work I'm seeing is incredible. I mean it's yes. very there doesn't seem to be any kind of um you know prevailing style. I mean you know for a long time it's like, oh you had to draw yeah. for the Saturday evening post. Right. And then you had to right. draw for the New Yorker right. and then you had to draw like Bob Peak and then right. you had to draw, you know, like uh you know, Risco or whoever. I mean right. there's always like the superstar, but it doesn't doesn't see, I mean, I don't know, who would you say are their idols? Who are the who are the biggest influences on on today's emerging illustrators? They're the they're on the internet. I feel like I feel like there is a prevailing style in that there is this internet culture that that's why they get so good mm-hmm. is because they've been sort of exposed to illustration and comics through DeviantArt and stuff like that since they've been like right. 14 years old. That's why they're really good because they've been interacting with this online community for like years and years and years before they even hit art school. I didn't even know illustration was a thing until I happened to be in that program that offered it. And they know what they want to do since the time they're like 13 years old. So they're, they're extremely, um, uh, accomplished by the time they get there. But what sort of the flip side of that is to me, I feel like there's an internet house style that's happening mm-hmm. that they <laughs> sort of are looking at the same cool stuff. And then one day some cool, Japanese thing comes up and it all gets passed around for a week and like it sort of gets all like hyped in this new little influence that all, sort of all gets digested together, you know, and, right. and it sort of collectively gets digested where, um, so I mean, while I do see people that have like just a stunningly unique vision, I do feel like there is sort of like that's the style now is this internet thing that's mm-hmm. kind of happening. It's not, it's not, it's not sort of radiating out of one person like say Tomer Hanuka, you know. Right. Um, was when I was in school, sure. but it's, or Joe Soren or Brad Holland or whoever, it, now it's sort of this collective thing. Right. You know? Interesting. I, I'm not, I was sort of, um, I mean, I've heard people say that we do have an international style now mm. and that mixes manga and, and conventional comics Definitely. and European comics, but I, I mean, I think you're right. I think it is the internet style. And, uh, the drawing chops are very high. Definitely. And I think that that's where the thing is like, well, if you've been seriously trying to pursue this since you're 13, you're going to be pretty good by the time right. you're 19 right, or whatever. Right. But, um, so what have the changes you think? Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just sort of trying to take it all in. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who do do stuff on the internet and, you know, they might do their own comics and everything. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, like stoner humor is a huge yes, thing, yeah, right? You yeah. know, and I feel like Simon Hanselman is a big, you know, purveyor of that. Or um, just even like Adventure Time. Oh, Adventure Time, of course. Which you know, sort of and straddles this yeah. thing of commercial appeal and then stoner humor and then kids. Yeah. I think that that's that magical mix that like people are kind of pursuing now. Yeah. And yeah. like webcomics actually a huge influence yeah. on 
um, people that eventually want to do graphic novels. Right. And I mean, it is Adult Swim. I mean, it really is Adult Swim. And, you know, ADHD was this Fox kind of animation thing that was sort of an even more stonery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Um, But, you know, Adult Swim. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Um, And, uh, yeah, but I'm also really kind of fascinated by how they're not as self-absorbed as they were overtly self-absorbed. Because a lot of the student work I see, you know, used to be very heavily autobiographical. Right, right, right. but there also the chops have really improved. The storytelling chops have improved. I think that the thing is too with my students that I see, they want commercial success. They don't just sort of want to make stuff and have nobody critique it or have nobody edit it. Like that's not t- true at all. They mm. want to connect with a YA audience. They're aware of a YA audience. I sort of I've really tried to um, when I'm teaching. Not just kind of teach the thing, but also impress upon them that these things are industries. Like, children's book is not a style, it's like an industry, and it's like a part of a bigger thing, and it's its own thing, and it's an online community, and like, there's conferences, and like, there's a whole industry, like, geared towards that thing. So not, it's just not about sitting in your studio making that style of product, you know, and and so they, you know, at first I think it, it's like a little bit of a shock to like I have to actually learn this now too like this right, whole other right. thing, but I think if they eventually, I hope that they feel empowered that they just don't get out and be like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> so we talk about audience. We talk about, hey, your work is is geared, it seems to be as an appeal to a publisher like First Second or YA, but if that is what you want, then you probably have to sort of think about maybe these other elements that wouldn't that that cancel that thing out right. or that like conflict with that appeal, right? right. Well, so, oh, um, go on. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, when I was at uh, Fresh Meat, which is kind of the um, kind of zine fest for, mm-hmm. for senior cartoonings, uh, cartoonists, I noticed that um, you know there was a lot of girls, and I also noticed that uh, you know nobody draws in a manga style anymore, or it's very very diffused. I mean, it's you- it's diffused. I think it's been synthesized. Mm-hmm. I think like all my students are hugely, you know, they they cut their teeth on that stuff. Um, I think it's a lot less direct. Mm-hmm. Um, a direct line that you than you used to see, where you were just sort of getting kids drawing really bad manga. It's been completely internalized and sort of like blended with all this other stuff in a way that's really sophisticated now. And it's so interesting because that used to be the whole thing, like, you know, teachers and, uh, you know, the academic types being like, oh, this is the manga kids. They come in, they just want to draw manga, da 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 da. And it's like, I think that to continue 2014 to be sort of ignoring that, that influence is borderline misogynist Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and really sort of short-sighted and to be honest missing a huge trend we were just at the teen book con in um houston and we were there with svetlana shmakova i'm Mm -hmm. probably butchering her name but i mean she does north american manga she's russian but you know she's from toronto and these kids were losing their minds like they were so excited about it, and it was girls, and it was boys, and it was like, wow, if I can, I, I think if I was starting out, I'd sort of like think really hard about that, because that is huge, and I've talked, mm-hmm. I talk to librarians all the time, because, you know, I do have this one little foot in the YA world, and it's like, they don't care so much about these implications or these these aesthetic things as the art school. Like, they just care that it, it gets kids reading. Right. And, like, oh, that yeah, is well. powerful enough. Well, know? that is, you know, an emerging trend as well for mm-hmm. comics. I mean, I feel very positive. I mean, it's right. hard not to feel positive after coming back from TCAF and, um, you know, you really see this world as it could be of yeah. readers. It's really reader-focused yes. yeah. and very broad-based and, you know, fans of different kinds of material. But... Um, it's very smart how they have included librarians in the program. And as soon as you talk to, uh, you know, a librarian who, coll- you know, buys for the graphic novel collection, you right. know, your self-esteem soars. Yeah. You know, yeah. self-esteem soars. Yeah, totally. And uh, just, you know, the, and, and because because they are not just fans. Yes. Who I'm like, I want to buy, yeah. you know, The Walking Dead because yeah. I like it. They yeah. are fans because their readers yes. circulate yeah. these books. And they're very, and they view them critically. That's actually a real, and I'm just sort of thinking, talking as I'm saying this, but that's sort of where I've seen, just, I mean, I've been a professional for 11 years now, so 
not a super, super long time, but I really have seen, whereas my illustration fans, quote-unquote, and my illustration peers really didn't cross over to comics when I was doing comics in both, and, like, I felt like I was sort of alone doing both of them, you know, kind of equally seriously, and now it's like, that's... I have kids in my class that want to do that, and I've just met so many other people that are kind of straddling both of them, and now the, the librarians where... You know, when I first started making them, they were just sort of, like, starting to be interested in graphic novels, like, totally coming to TCAF, you know? So, like, that book and that comic world are sort of coming together, and the illustration world is sort of, like, coming together. It's, like, much more blended. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't doesn't hurt when you have really wonderful books like this one summer. I have to be honest. Um, It's, you know, such a beautiful book. I mean, the artwork is an 11, okay? Mm-hmm. Not to flatter you, but, uh, you. I mean, it is so exquisite and just so beautiful, evocative of the time and place, and it's also really a wonderful story. Thank uh, you. Really, um, you know, it's a book that if you give someone this book, mm-hmm. you're not going to apologize. Right. And, <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But, I, I mean, so many times you do, you know, even right. with, like, you know, the great, uh, you know, Watchmen, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, well, you have to like superheroes. Yeah, like, what's your base level yeah. entry point? And, it is, you know, don't, I'm not putting down Watchmen. It no, is no. a really great mm-hmm. work that has really, um, you know, sold mil- a million copies. But, um uh, you know, I mean, I feel like now what, what all of this is, is giving to comics and graphic novels is these works that are just, mm-hmm. you know, they're not like, um, you know, calling back to even R. Crumb or Jack right. Kirby, you know? Well, I also have really sort of seen maybe in the last, I mean, the last time I promoted a graphic novel was 2008. It's, mm-hmm. It was really wow, different. Wow, so. But it's really interesting though now because I feel like we are, being lumped in with content and not medium. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, okay, well, you're all graphic novel comic people, and, like, we're all going to talk about you in the same way, even though our books may be totally, totally different. Now we're sort of... It's a more nuanced conversation where it's like comics are being sort of... Again, this teen book home, we were there with, like, other YA book mm-hmm. pe- right. authors. You're being mainstream. Where you're being mainstream, <laughs> but it's also that you're kind of, like, being evaluated on the con, like, the actual story, and sort of not the form, the fact that we all do things in panels, and therefore right. we're all the same. It was, it's becoming a much more nuanced conversation, probably because the librarians are young people, and a lot of them guys mm-hmm. now, yeah. which is, like, really interesting. Like, they're coming at it from all... They're bringing a whole different context. Well, you know what really fascinates me, uh, you know, getting back to Fresh Meat, and this is one of those things that I didn't write down, uh, and I only say on the podcast, because then it can't be quoted in front right. of <laughs> Um, but I did notice that that among the cartooning, it was probably seventy five percent women, mm-hmm. and the guys who were there really didn't have it together, and yeah. and I think mm-hmm. that that young women tend to be very eager to fit in, not fit in necessarily, but eager to be liked. You know, that's just kind of a the weird flip side. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I feel like they had their their shit together. Yeah, um, adult think, warning, adult warning. Um, right. Yeah, but. Um, and like the guys were more like what you were talking about earlier. It's like, um, you know, I don't care if anybody likes this. Right, I'm just right, doing right. my thing. Right. And you which know. I loved, and I've had students, and they don't really care if you get it or if like somebody else gets it, and that's totally fine, right, no problem. Right. But you know, it's like I can only sort of identify that so far because I actually do want people to read my mm-hmm. books. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that that's sort of interesting to think because I always think about like, you know, uh these young women and sort of like kind of trying to instill in them some sort of uh, um, mental armor too, Mm -hmm. to sort of like take on the world as well. And it's like, there is a weird an interesting flip side of like, I think that you, it can serve you to sort of be aware about how other people are perceiving your work. But at some point you just sort of have to be like, this isn't for everybody or like, Thanks for your comments, like, but I not I'm not going to take your opinion or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. but at some point you you can take it too far where you're um, you're trying to you're too wrapped up and paralyzed by everybody liking right. you. So right, right, so yeah, being too popular. Yeah, yeah, it is it, it is um, kind of constant problems. Um, I mean, it's it's really amazing to see 
like just in five years. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really, it's, and I mean, I think it's Tumblr. I mean, you were talking about, you know, promoting Skim in, in 2008. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Twitter had just started yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Facebook had just gone public a couple right. of years before. There was, you know, I'm not sure Tumblr, I mean, I think Tumblr existed, but yeah. it wasn't what it is now. No. You know, we still relied on LiveJournal at that point. Right. And, you know, we're only talking six years ago. I know. Uh, it's it's, just it's really time. totally different. Yeah, yeah. The blog tours mm-hmm. is a huge part about marketing a book, of marketing a book now, which is like, wow, like that, like you think that a blog, a bl- it's like some YA blogger has like that much power that like yeah. you sort of are going to really cater them is definitely new. Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel that, uh, you know, when we're talking about different mediums, I also feel like people are getting really into video as well and into like yeah. kind of a digital comics, but in a very innovative way. Yeah, it's, um, it's such an interesting time now in comics, and I think we're going to really look back and say, like, wow, this was so exciting. It was, like, such a bursting of, like, energy and stuff. I, I actually did have a question for you. Uh, do you think that, the, like, do you get any sense with web comics if it's mostly women, or is it half and half, or is it mostly men, or... I think it's half and half at this okay. point, but... um I think on Tumblr. I mean, Tumblr is very female-driven, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to compare things like Reddit and Tumblr, which are kind of self-selecting. Right. Um, I mean, there's certainly guys on Tumblr. Right. But, uh, you know, with Reddit, it really quickly does default to, you know, the fu- hilarious, hilarious right. images. I mean, right. it's kind of like, um, you know, 4chan kind of stuff. As right, well. right, 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 right. And that kind of... Which I is mean, like the modern equivalent of like a newspaper strip. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, right. or, or Mad Magazine. Right. And it's hilarious, yeah. you know, whereas in, in Tumblr is more about the sharing of other people's things. And a bigger like, narrative. Yeah, a bigger because narrative. Because a lot of my students, they already have webcomics that they've been doing for like two years. Uh, yeah. And like that's partially, I think that, and these are the girls, mm-hmm. you know, almost inevitably. And I don't know if, the way women use social media ends up helping them. I think so. Um, but at the very, very least, if you've been pumping out web comics for two years, you're, you're getting better at making comics, yeah. right? So yeah. I think that that's the idea of like, yes, you have this technical polish, but you know, just by the practice, your practice of maintaining a web comic, you get better at storytelling. And so. you quickly figure out who's going to do it and who isn't. You yes. Know? Um, yes. You know, you do your own. Web comics. Yeah, my doing. my like very off off yeah. <laughs> project. Yeah, yeah, but uh, what, but that's been great. What? Are, why did you start that? Um, because I spend so much of my time polishing images, making them beautiful, or trying to make them beautiful, trying to make them visually appealing. I just wanted something that I could practice my writing and like not care about how it looked at all, and sort of just sort of put up a thing and kind of just sort of do the repetitions of, like, writing a thing, becoming familiar with this, um, that craft, which I'm not as, I'm not trained in, I'm not anything in, you know, so, um, that was the reason for it, and it's been, it accomplished, that's why I kind of have, it's such a dumb premise, but, because it was just sort of a thing to drape over, you know, the ideas, so, um, but it has been extremely rewarding, and, has influenced the way that I made this book and um, introduced me to, you know, a whole different audience. And that's sort of what is so nice about comics versus illustration in a way, because you are interacting with people that just aren't fans of illustration. It's like you're interacting with somebody who's a lawyer or like a, or whatever, you know, that's just a fan of the story, which is really um, interesting and cool. Yeah. Now, do you see, uh, I mean, do you see, I mean, I know you teach in illustration, but mm-hmm. as you say, there is such a big crossover. Oh, yeah, so, hugely. Uh, I mean, do you see people interested in the story? I mean, uh, it seemed like when I was at Fresh Meat, I asked people, oh, who do you want to work for? And it seemed like they said first, second, or vertigo. Right. I think that those seem to make be the stories that seem to, to have this... Because I feel like the, the girls that I work with, they're very um, sort of this literary... And they want characters that are reflective of them. Like, I have one student, Atmaja Pandya, I think her last name is. Um, how to say it, rather. Um, and she wants to make stories about magical Indian girls. Because she's an Indian girl. Right. And it's like, I don't, I think that she kind of can see, and they're, and they're YA stories. And so I think she sees the link to a publisher like that, where 
you know, maybe at some other point, you know, <laughs> it will, there will be more options, but she's, I think that those kind of publishers, it seems the most feasible, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, uh, you know, and I was surprised to hear people say Vertigo, but I think it is, mm-hmm. that, you know, they have such a huge right. heritage with, the, you know, Sandman and, right. and all that stuff. Right. But, More literary graphic and, yeah, novel. Yeah, fables. Yeah, but at the same time, I think right now, I mean, they've very much changed their mission, you yeah, know, when they do yeah. things that are like more movie adaptations. Although right. they are getting back to... Right. They are trying, uh, definitely. But, I mean, I think it's really funny, and I think a lot of publishers, uh, you know, would do well to kind of position themselves and say... I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Just, I don't know. It just seems that, like, we... You know, just over at TCAF, you were at the, like the Educator Librarians Day. It seems that people are really hungry for like diversity and not just talking about diversity, mm-hmm. like just and not making books about diversity, just showing it. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like just just having them, you know, mm-hmm. and not making a book about the whole an it's, issue. It's you know, like kind of just letting people tell their stories. Yeah, and trusting people. Yeah, I mean that's I think. The role of a great art director or a great editor or people who acquire these things, it's like choosing the right people for the job and then like kind of letting them do their thing. Right. You know, but maybe, maybe once with the webcomic thing again, like certain creators are showing that they have an audience and then therefore maybe that will encourage people to take a risk on, mm-hmm. a quote unquote risk on these. Well, it's interesting, yeah, it's interesting to see. I know Boom has been very successful mm-hmm. at, you know, hiring a lot of people right straight off Tumblr. It seems like, right. you know, if you do some good Adventure Time fan art, next thing right. you know, you're doing a cover for the right. book, which is really cool. And I right. think it's very, um, I think it's very aspirational. Right. I, mean, I think it creates this kind of world. Of course, they don't pay very much either. Yes. So, I yes. mean, I think there's, there's still, uh, I mean, I live very near SVA, so mm-hmm. I, I tend to have interns from there, and yep. I've had some kick-ass interns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, but they kind of go off and do other things afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they might have done some comics that were pretty good and, right. and, but, you know, it's, it's a rough, you gotta really stay the course. You gotta really be dedicated yes. to this to stick with it. I sort of feel bad sort of telling my students about how, you know, consider that comics might be a subsidized activity that you do, <laughs> you know, like I couldn't live on just comics. Um, but, I think they know that, and that's why they're in the illustration department, hoping that it it broadens their possibilities in some way. Um, but they're very realistic. They mm-hmm. actually know. They don't have any sort of, like, illusions as to what's going on. They just, like, really want to tell stories, right. you know? Which, right. how can you be cynical they're about not. that, you know, no. in the end? I think that's awesome, and I love it, and I, I agree with you. I think we're going to look back at what is happening now as the beginning of something that is very multimedia and very, very, uh, you know, changing. I mean, it's changing. It's happening. Right. Whatever it is, and it's not, I don't know, I, I'm just going to sit back and watch, to be honest. Totally. Um, now, what about you? What are your aspirations? My I mean, aspiration. you know, for all these talks, just, you know, for people, you know, hearing us talk about the kids, I mean, Jillian is a very young <laughs> woman here herself, so uh, let's not... I'm segueing into yeah. another phase of life, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway. I what's, mean, what's next? Uh, well, I've been writing for Adventure Time, actually, so that has been... Again, just another way of, like, learning how to write, which has been extremely informative, um... And just fun, too. Uh, and then probably trying to write more of my own things than probably not another 320 page or whatever graphic novel, but, um, I'm working on something that's like 30 pages, which mm-hmm. is like the longest that I've done by myself, but it's, you know, I still have a ways off to doing right. my own giant tomb, but. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, like, as we said at the beginning of this interview, I mean, uh, are like, oh, I want to draw a graphic novel. That means, okay, you're going to be locked in a room for two years right. drawing the same thing. Right. And that right. kind of, you know, requires a real different, it requires a personality that can handle that. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's sort of the thing where it's like, when I'm teaching students, it's, I, I like to always remind them that what makes a good student does not necessarily always translate to a, having a successful profession and being a professional and like having a career. Um, and that its talent is only one little tiny thing of it. I'm sure you, I mean, I'm sure you've been in it long enough that you see that there are just 
people that persist. Yeah. And they're the ones that are there the 20 years later. Oh, you know? yeah, totally. And I mean, the other thing is, you know, I, you're always going to have the singular genius who changes everything. Right. You know, like a Chris right. Ware. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, all bets are off for them. And I think in some ways it's harder for those singular geniuses to, uh, well, I mean, they're always going to be able to emerge. Right. I mean, I'm, fascinated by, like we were saying, just the, the level of skill, the level of craftsmanship, the level of draftsmanship, the level of, of you know, care and and confidence, you mm. know? And mm. I, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, especially when you're young, you don't know how good you are. Mm. But uh, I think the internet culture has kind of given, the ones who really know what they're doing, I think it's given them a lot of confidence. I think so, too. At the end, it's... You know, I don't think the internet is just a meritocracy, mm-hmm. but there is a degree of it. And, you know, I think that people are looking for ways to circumvent art school because art school costs so much freaking money now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the internet is, it to comics, seems like everything now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not on the internet and you're trying to make comics, it's just like... You're making this way more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. Um, uh, on, on that note, I, I uh, think, you know, well, I'm going to wrap it up here. But, okay. um, but this is great, Jillian. Thank you so much oh, for no, taking the time. Oh, no, thank you. I'm glad we could connect. Yeah, and please, you know, g- good luck. with. Uh, you're still on tour, correct? Yes, we're doing um, three more launch, little launch things, So, and then that's it. Uh-huh. Right, but you know it never really ends when you have yeah, a book. Good. Sell, yeah. sell, sell. Yeah, you're going to be talking about this book for a little while, so well, that's good. That's because good. it's because you make a book for some people to read, and you forget <laughs> that you know when you're doing when you you know when you're done it, and it, it sits in the waiting uh, the holding powder. Right, for a year, but yes. Yeah. Well, the baby's out, and uh, it's out on the road. So, um, well, thanks again, Jillian. Thank you so much, Heidi. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of uh, The Fanatic, PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter, and co-host of More to Come, PW's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novels. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, uh, uh, More to Come listeners. Uh, believe it or not, we're back on the floor of the Javits Center, New York Comic Con 2022, the belly of the beast, pop culture, more than you can handle, more than I can handle. This is just the first two days or so, so it's actually subdued in comparison to what it'll be like on Saturday. But I have the great pleasure to be here to be interviewing Stephen Graham Jones, uh, author of, I, I counted on Wikipedia, nearly 30 novels and collections. I think the most recent ones, Only Good Indians. Uh, uh, my heart is, is a chainsaw. Uh, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Man, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, we're here to talk about uh, what I think is going is a fascinating new series. It's called Earth Divers Kill Columbus. Uh, in some ways, that says it all, but it doesn't say it all. Um, uh, it's, it's elegantly uh, and in some cases violently illustrated by David Jonfalis. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I think the title gives you some idea. It's a time travel story. So uh, 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 tell us more about it. Yeah, it's a time travel premise. But you go back to 1492 to stop America from happening because these indigenous survivors in 2112 have figured out that if America doesn't happen, they think then the world doesn't become as polluted and the um, ecosystem doesn't collapse and things are better, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, one of the descriptions yeah. I left out, this yeah. is a post-apocalyptic tale. Yeah. Uh, I think it starts off, you know, everyone is left but the original yeah. Yeah. Uh, inhabitants sure. of this planet. I mean, that's kind of, when you, when you move among Indian America, you get the feeling that we're all just waiting for a century more, a century or two to pass when we can have our land back. Right, right, you know? yeah. And that's what we're waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you remember the, the, the Blackfeet, Blackfeet, Blackfeet. Uh, Nation? Um, it, it, tell us about the, the characters. Uh, like what, there's Tad, Sash, I believe his girlfriend. Yeah. G.I. Jane. There's another character whose name I'm not 
pulling up. Yeah, there's... Um, tell us how they work together here. Yeah, there's there's Tad and Sosh. They're a married couple. Mm-hmm. There's um, Yellow Kid. He's a Blackfeet, kind of a data rat. Mm-hmm. Who, he's the programmer, the, the, the mind of this operation. Or he's the one with the intention, anyways. And there's Emily. She's coming. She's Seminole. She's... Her job, as she sees it in this post-apocalypse, is to raid or break into the left-behind museums and take all the... Um, artifacts of colonialism and settlers and walk them across from in the Pacific. And they're they're by <laughs> like she on litter patrol, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Um But they the scheme uh it was about giving too much away, they seem to be in a cave. How does this facilitate it? It's tough to know what to ask you and what isn't a spoiler. Yeah. But we'll work on it. The trick, the trick is when the um, ecosystem collapsed, a lot of rivers dried up. And one of the rivers that dried up exposed a cave that has been hidden for its whole life. Turns out that cave is a time travel, not a device, more of a, a conduit or just a place where you can go to different times. And they figure out how to not weaponize it, but how to utilize it. And... If you if you want to go back to um, 1922, maybe you bring a copy of Ulysses into the cave, and that brings you back to 1922. Oh, you know? So whatever you bring into the cave, that it's like tells the cave where to deliver you. you uh-huh. know? And, and so interesting yeah, device. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fun, but I mean, to tell you the truth. I wonder. It feels like 90% of the time travel stories that anybody tells come out of Terminator. You know, <laughs> it's hard to avoid that. Well, I mean, I mean, that's the kind of the the, the plot here. Yeah. Um, I, um, I I am curious how. I mean, Tad seems to be equipped to do this. Yeah. I mean, to go back and essentially become a sailor on yeah. on one of the three ships. Yeah, he doesn't have any sailing experience. Ah, which he, becomes an issue. It becomes an issue for sure. <laughs> but he does, the reason he is elected of the four people to go back in time is that he has um, a lot of languages. He's a linguist. He's a scholar. He's an academic. But being an academic doesn't give him any um, tactical advantage at all. It just allows him to actually communicate with the people in 1492 on these sh- on these particular ships. Um, Sash would have been better to stand back because she's a fighter. But she, a woman can't be a sailor back sure, then. You know? Sure, sure. And, and Yellow Kid sees himself as the brain, so not the doer, the thinker. So he stays behind. And Emily also couldn't get on deck. So yeah. it, has to, it has to be Ted. Well, what's interesting, of course, is a modern personality dropped into the yeah. 15th century uh, sailing. Uh, and as elegant as the illustrations are, it's a brutal world. Yeah. And Ted has to become uh, a different kind of person. He does, yeah. He has to become more like Sash, basically. He has to become more ruthless. And specifically, he has to um, figure out whether his future is more important than these people's presence. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he's very aware of the ethical quandary there, the, the quagmire, because how do you... like? We all feel like our story is the important story, but if our story results in somebody else's story having to stop, then I don't know. That's just a lot stickier. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, where I see the, the story likely going, of course, is a, a world unimpacted by Columbus. Yeah. Um, is there a way... Uh, now, of course, we also know in times uh, travel stories, there are unintended consequences. Yeah. So, uh, but can, without a spoiler, can you sketch out what a non-Columbus-impacted world would look like? You know, as far as North America goes, anyways, um, I think if Columbus doesn't kick open the gates, like Custer did for the Black Hills, yeah. then um, I suspect that one of the other European powers... You know, kind of annexes North America, and so it's really between France and Spain. And I suspect, I feel like Spain back then they were more plunderers. They just wanted to come and get the gold and go somewhere else and get out. France, they were trying to build an economy with the fur trading and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And and so I think France probably. I mean, France used to before Mm -hmm. the Louisiana Purchase. France did own a lot of it. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, I feel like France probably. We'd all be francophones now. You know. So, I mean, obviously the questions revolve around, um, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Like, we all think going back and killing Hitler would save the world, but what if Hitler was the best of all possible options? <laughs> it's even you know? worse uh, actors out there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, all possible. Yeah. Look, I, uh, uh, well, 
I think you've done comics before. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've done and, and in your own personal interest in comics? You know, my personal interest in comics starts when I was 12 years old in a gas station in rural <laughs> West Texas, and I find Secret Wars number four on the round rack. That, okay. It changed my life forever. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like, that's my introduction to Spider-Man, Iron Man, all, yeah. all them people. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've been living in comics ever since then. I wonder if when I was like 19 and starting out writing, if I would have had any inroad into comics, I think I would have gone comics and probably never come over to fiction. Become any, oh, really? Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. You know, years ago, probably 15 years ago, I asked another writer, Joe Lansdale. Sure. I mm-hmm. said, um, you've done comics, you start out in fiction, how do you make that transition? And because I thought it was like a voluntary act, like mm-hmm. you, you wish it to come true. <laughs> he said, he told me, he said, all you do is you write your novels as best you can, and after a while, the comics industry comes to you. So I did that. I just wrote the novel, best novels I could, and find the comics industry, called me and said, give us some pitches. And so, Well, you, yeah. you're also living in a period now where the kind of stories, the points of views that you would never, or yeah. very, be very unlikely you would see 15 yeah. or 20 years ago, yeah. uh, even coming out of an independent house like IDW, it's a very different world. And I've also just been, uh, not so much amazed, but really delighted by the number of novelists, yeah. uh, of prose writers of all kind, who just, when they saw the door open, yeah. For them to be involved in comics, they just, they jump through it with both feet. Yeah, like Ben Percy's a good example of that. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so many names we, yeah. we could call. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's people that go the other way, like Neil Gaiman, you know? <laughs> well, that's true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. He, all these comics, and oh yeah, he's like, now he writes novels. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how the Native American beliefs, culture, there's an origin story, I believe, in the, in, in the first issue. Uh, how did they, how do you you uh, uh, integrate that into this this plot? You know, in my initial pitch for this Earth Divers, this little Earth Divers story, the origin story was not part of the pitch at all. It only happened when um, my initial title for this was The Age of Discovery. But then, once I got the story beat out, I realized this is not The Age of Discovery, this is something else. And yeah. I couldn't figure out a title, so I asked my wife. And so I gave her the pitch, and she said, well, it sounds like an origin story. Tell me some Native origin stories. And Earth Divers was the, it's the first one you think of, because it's across a whole lot of different tribes. Uh, yeah. A lot of different tribes awesome. tell the story. And um, I had just come back from a conference in which I in which I heard a, I think it was a geologist actually giving a talk about earth divers, how people working the edge of the glacier that used to be America, the western edge along like Oregon and Washington coming down, that the earth divers animals are kind of the order in which they would have encountered those animals, you know, which is really interesting to me. And and so it all just kind of came together. And so then I told Mark and Maggie at IDW, let's call us Earth Divers. And they were like, yes, that's a perfect title. And so then Earth Divers, like the muskrat, the duck, the otter, they, yeah. became, mm-hmm. they became part of the story in a completely different way, which has opened things up tremendously. Yeah. Really, so I really have my wife to thank for that. Well, really great. Um, the story, at least in this first issue, we, we jump between the cave and the remaining members of this team. Uh looking for evidence yeah. that the world has changed but also on the ship where Ted is really facing uh, questions of his uh, authenticity he speaks in English at one point yeah, yeah. It's not a good thing not a good Spanish and I realized once I started figuring out like what this first issue is going to look like that um the moment Tad goes through this time travel cave back to 1492, that that instant he steps through, history should change then. You know, it's yeah. not going to wait. Like if it takes Tad a month, history's not going to wait a month to change. It's going to change in that instant. And so that's why these people are out in a remote place where they can't see the the skyline of New York City changing. Right. Or anything, mm-hmm. you know? They have to trek out to yeah. find that information. Yeah. And, which is really fun. Yeah. Because They're looking for books, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. History of course. books that have updated yeah. because of Tad's tampering. But so it's really fun that 1492 moves at what feels like a regular pace, like it'll cover maybe 30 days, whereas 2112 covers like a day and a half. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. fun to do it like yeah. that. Well, I mean, it's it's a engaging story. Uh, obviously, we're all living under the the the, the shadow of the. Uh, 
Columbus, yeah. uh, Native American people more so than anyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I saw this on the publicity sheet, I said, "This is the this is the guy I want to talk to." Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, I can't wait to see the the rest of the issues, and of course, being a book guy, I can't wait to see it's collected into a collected yeah. edition. It will be. Yeah. Um, can you can you give us a hint about what's what anything that's coming without it being a spoiler? Let me think. Um, Yeah, without spoiling, that's the hard part. That's um, a hard part. <laughs> it, it gets, it, you know, in some of the promotional material I've seen for this, it says it's a historical slasher. You are going to see... Because you, your work, your yeah. writing is, is sort of crime, yeah. horror. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there, as you get up to maybe issue four or five, there's going to be a lot of slasher techniques on display. It's going to, like that little bit on in page, is it page two? And... Earth divers. No, it's page. There's a there's a there's four. a there's an incident. Yeah, there's a, that, there's that. a throat cutting. Yeah, which is prelude to a lot more throat yeah. cutting. All right, yeah. there you go. There you go. There you go. That's the tease that I that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, look. Th- th- thank you so much. This is a this is a wonderful combination. Earth divers of of, of history, you know, the fictional imagination on kind of the these those biggest questions of colonization, genocide that this country. Uh, and all of us kind of face to this day. So, uh, uh, Stephen Graham Jones, thank you so much for being on More to Come. It was an honor to be here. Thanks for talking to me. Great to talk to you. Hi, I'm at FlameCon 2015, and I'm here with James Tiny. Hey. Did I pronounce your name wrong? Well, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. My name is James Tynan IV. Uh, I'm a writer of books for DC Comics and Boom Studios. People probably know me best for my work on the Batman line, uh, particularly Batman Eternal, the weekly Batman series that was running over the past year. Um, I have a number of series out from Boom Studios, including The Medic, which is, you know, about a image posted online that ends the world in three days. Uh, I've it involves a sloth. It does. It absolutely does. That is the image. It's a sloth giving a thumbs up. The good time sloth. Uh, the harbinger of the apocalypse. Um, That's a hell of a harbinger of the apocalypse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I, uh, the other series that I'm best known for over at uh, Boom is The Woods, which is an ongoing series about a high school transported in the middle of an alien forest and all the kids trying to figure out how to survive and how to get home. Uh, I also do a series called UFOlogy at Boom, uh, which is a mini-series running right now uh, about, uh, you know, it's kind of a teen X-Files in the upper Midwest uh, kind of feel. So, uh, you know, DC is my home of all of my superhero work and uh, Boom is my home of all my creator-owned work and I'm really happy that I get to live in both families. So... So how did you find out about FlameCon? Um, I know some of the organizers, and I've been hearing about it through the Kickstarter, and I reached out saying I wanted to be involved. I, I'm a local, uh, I am at least for the moment a local uh, person living in the New York area, although I am moving in a few weeks and betraying the hearts of all New Yorkers. Oh, well, it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh... You know, it, like, I just, I really wanted to come out and support something like this, uh, and it's, it has just been absolutely incredible. The energy in the room all day, uh, how much people want to come out and support books, uh, that are about and by queer creators, like, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really refreshing. It's very energizing, uh, and I'm really, really happy I was able to come. And do you have uh, anything about your FlameCon uh, experience that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, I I had the honor of being on a horror panel with uh, Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two and uh, uh, Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale, and I uh, got to chat with Cecil for a bit after. He's the nicest guy in the world, and you know, it was, I was very intimidated going in on that panel, and it was just an amazing experience. So, yeah. Great, thank you. Hi, this is Kate Simmons from Publishers Weekly Comic World here at FlameCon 2015, the very first FlameCon. And I'm here talking to Owen White of the webcomic Tripping Over You. Uh, can you tell me a little about your comic? Um, it is basically a webcomic. We have to do it twice a week. Me and my wife make it together. Um, it's, it starts with um, these two boys. They have a relationship. They start um, in high school. It follows them throughout college. And it's just a very awkward kind of comedic take on um, coming out and coming out to your friends and your parents and learning to relate to each other and learning more about yourself. 
And so, um, how did you find out about SlimeCon? Um, the, the people who run it, Geeks Out, um, yeah. they asked us to sit with them a couple years ago at um, New York City Comic Con. And um, we were in Massachusetts at the time and um, got to meet them, and they're amazing people, super, super friendly. And um, when we heard that they were kickstarting a convention, we signed up on their Kickstarter. Awesome. And so how has Flame Cotton uh, 2015 been for you? Excellent. It's been so, so much fun. Um, it's a little warm, uh, but the more fun I have, I feel like the more warm I get. So, but it's, it's been very exciting. Very fun. And uh, if you could share one thing with our listeners, what would it be?